0: Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Charles, and I'm here with Richie Clapson. Hello, everyone. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at what makes a good property developer, aren't we, Richie?
0: Uh, that's right. I'm going to be talking about five key things that I've learned over the years that differentiates good developers from bad ones.
1: Fantastic. Should be really interesting. And I know you've seen pretty much every type of developer over the years, haven't you?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's right. It's interesting how you know the same traits come up time and time again, both with new developers and often with uh, you know, quite experienced developers as well. Anyway, before I get into all of that, what sort of week have you had? you know i did something that i've not done for ages what was that i went to the races really did you know i mean you might not have known this that i've actually been into racing for ages and i reckon in my engineering days i've designed pretty much all the grandstands in the country pretty much every track so i've got to see quite a few over the years so did you manage to, to pick any winners well i had a small flutter and i think on balance just about
1: broke even but to be honest not really the world's greatest horse picker, if I'm honest. What about what about you? Did you uh, did you used to sort of study the form and all that when you were designing all these grandstands? Uh, well,
0: no, no. I mean, I never never had the patience to do that, as uh, as you might imagine. <laughs> uh, but um, no, whenever I went, which uh, you know, which uh, wasn't that often, I used to follow a top tip that was given to me by one of my old business colleagues, uh, who was absolutely mad on the GGS.
1: Ooh, interesting. So, um, well, as I say, I'm I'm pretty rubbish at picking winners. So, is this tip something that? You're thinking, you know, you might be able to share with the rest of us.
0: Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't see why not, given that uh, you've asked so nicely, which is unusual for you, Mr It is very Child. unusual, <laughs> but
1: that's very generous of you. I'm quite <laughs> looking forward to this. So uh, what exactly did uh, this ex-colleague of yours tell you about, uh, you know, picking a winner?
0: Right, you might want to write this down. Okay, okay. I'm ready. Uh, it's beautifully simple. Really. In, in fact, he always gave great advice when, uh, when he was sober. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, and and what, he, what he said is you must always go to the parade ring before the race. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got to get as close, literally as close to the rails as you possibly can. Okay. You know, make sure you're right up at the front there. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, i got it. And as the horses go round, you have to do two things. Two things, right. The first thing you have to do is count the number of legs. What, you mean in, in total? No, 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 per horse. Right. And the first rule is that you only consider backing a horse, only consider backing a horse if it's got an even number of legs.
1: Okay, so <laughs> are you sure he was sober when he gave you this? Don't hold. Okay, so, well, I mean, I, I I guess I can see a certain logic there. The, uh, the suggestion, <laughs> uh, you know, being presumably that, that if you only count three legs, then uh, you're probably not really onto a winner exactly what about five legs
0: well the horse is too distracted so that that you know it just won't race well (laughs) (laughs) what about if if you only count two legs ah ah that's that that's that's good it means that the jockey's not yet found his horse that's not (laughs) not a great sign but technically you know maybe you're still in with a shout if he manages to find it in time
1: Oh, fantastic. And um, and you say that this tip won you a lot of money?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, but it's the second part, and I've only told you the first part, that's the clincher. You have to do both together. The first tip isn't much good on its own. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of work that out. <laughs> so what, what's the second part of the tip? Okay, so remember I said that you had to be in the parade ring, right up close to the railings. I remember. Okay, and you got to look very closely at the horse's head, directly as it comes past you. So this is after you've counted its legs. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: So what okay, so what what exactly am I looking for on the the horse's head?
0: A wink. A wink. Yep, that's it. If the horse winks at you and it has an even number of legs, don't forget that, you should bet your shirt on it. Okay. Is this <laughs> is this a serious tip? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would tell you if it didn't work, honestly, I, I, why would I lead you astray?
1: You do realise
0: that you can't possibly
1: tell if a horse winks at you in a parade ring. Well Why not? Well, because you only can see one eye at a time. So I don't know if you spotted this. I know that you and animals are not necessarily the closest <laughs> bedfellows, but, but horses have got their eyes on, on the side of their heads and, and not on the front. So whilst it may look like you're getting a wink, uh, you're actually getting something else altogether.
0: Well, what's that then? A blink. A blink. Well, okay, that that's that's just maybe. But I'm telling you that apparently it works. My colleague said he won a small fortune using this method. So uh, you know, all I can do is pass pass it on in good okay, faith. Okay, so to you're today. not
1: you're not exactly guaranteeing anything then.
0: Well, no, probably not if I'm
1: honest. But you know. Somehow you've gone and done it again. I was supposed to be telling you about my weekend, and now somehow we've ended up talking about you instead. How on earth do you manage to do yeah, that? It's just a gift that I have. So, go on then. What? Why don't you tell us about your week? I know you're absolutely dying to. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, this week hasn't been a great week,
0: if I'm honest.
1: No, that's not like you. You're normally full of, uh, you know, uh, you're
0: well, a great time. Not this week. Unfortunately, I got into a spot of bother yesterday. Really? Yep. Doing, uh, doing what? Yeah, I was caught doing donuts in a supermarket car park. You're kidding me! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. The wife caught me red-handed. Your wife? Yeah, yeah. She she'd gone back in because she'd forgotten something, and uh, I stayed in the car. Right. And uh, as soon as she was out of the site, I couldn't resist it. There was no one else around, so I just went mad. What? In, in broad daylight? Didn't? Did anyone else? To see it. I know, I know <laughs> they could have done. I mean, she wasn't happy when she come, I got back to the car, I could tell you. What was that like? All that burning rubber coming from the tires? He's talked about, no, you know, no, no, she couldn't believe that I'd actually demolished three Krispy Krems in less than six minutes,
1: <laughs> right? So, I think we may be uh, slightly cross purposes here. So, you're saying you basically neck three donuts in six minutes,
0: okay? Yeah, look. I'm not proud of it. I'm not and, proud of um, it. And 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 she was a bit unhappy. You're not kidding. She she had to go back in the shop for a third time <laughs> no. to buy some more donuts. Well, to be fair, to be fair,
1: what was, on earth was she thinking of leaving you unattended oh. in a confined space with a box of donuts? Oh. I mean, what outcome was she actually expecting? <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: I mean, you think? I mean, you know, it's all her fault, isn't it? Would you well, say? I, I think I
1: think she she's obviously behaved quite. Irresponsibly, there, but uh, I I might not tell her that to her
0: face. (laughs) You probably best not to.
1: (laughs) Well, anyway, now that I've exhausted uh, my horse racing exploits, (laughs) write them down. Um, Shall we get on with uh, what we're really here to talk about, which is what makes a good property
0: developer? Abs- yeah, why not? I suppose so. I suppose we <laughs> ought to. Okay, now now I've been working uh, with and training developers, both experienced ones and new ones, for, for over 30 years. So over that time, I've got to know pretty much clearly what makes a good developer and what makes a bad developer. So i put together what I think are maybe the top five things that you should uh, have in mind when you're about to go into property development. Fantastic. Okay. okay, what's number one? So the first one is, is you know, you've got to get involved. And, and Unfortunately, I see a lot of people that, that don't. You know, don't just stand on the sidelines. Don't be scared. You, know, you, the, the, you are going into a new territory, particularly if you're a new developer here. This really applies to them. You're into an area that maybe you don't feel that comfortable in. And you, if, you, if you're not careful, you've got a tendency to stand back. And not get involved. You see, I think. Well, I don't know about this stuff. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand back. I'm not really gonna ask too many questions. I don't want to look silly. And they soon realise that I don't have enough experience. It doesn't matter. Remember the five why processes mm-hmm. that we've talked about. You know, the the sort of the, that was invented by Toyota, where you go through this process of you know, asking the question. And you're the CEO. You can ask as many questions as you want, and they're not stupid because you're the CEO, and you've got a right to ask. So you know, why are you doing that? you get an answer. Well, well why? Why do we have to do that? Well, because of this. Yeah, but why because of this do we have to do that? And as, and as hopefully, as, as our listeners know, and if you don't, once you get down to the fifth why, you've normally flushed out whether actually someone's telling you the truth or not telling you the truth. And, uh, you know, why would perhaps people not tell you the truth? Well, Unfortunately, fortunately, there are a few people out there who might pull the wool over your eyes and think, well, you're a little bit naive. Uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to tell you this is what has to happen. And you're going to believe us because you're a new developer. And it's probably worth saying that that's quite often, not necessarily because they're,
1: they're trying to be dishonest, but it's actually because it's easier for them. They, they want to do it the easy way. Um, but actually that might not be the cheapest way and it might not be the quickest way so it might not actually suit you.
0: Yeah I think so you you know this comes back to to a point and uh, we're not going to delve into this today but about fees when you pay consultants fees uh, so it could be your consultants or indeed if you've got a building contractor and he's on a fixed price lump sum they don't necessarily want to spend any more money so they don't want to change something or you know they want to do the simplest route for them because their fees run out if it's a consultant and sometimes you know you could drill down and one of your sort of five wide Process. You might get to a point where the uh, the architect or maybe the structural engineer says, "Well, the reason I don't want to change my drawing is because it's going to cost me half a day's worth of work." Oh, mm. well, actually, you know that could be I don't know three hundred pounds to a consultant it could save you three thousand pounds on site. Yeah. So the going through the five y process, you delve, you, you know, you delve down to the bottom and you get the answer. You might find, no, you get down the bottom. He doesn't want to change the drawing because if he does, it'll delay the contractor, and then there's going to be a five thousand pound claim so you can understand why. So the five whys is a really great process about getting involved. You know, don't just let everyone else get on with it. It's your project, you're the CEO, and you can ask those questions. You know, carry yourself as a CEO and ask those questions that you need to ask. Fantastic. You know, take interest. I mean, that's that's really important. But don't interfere. The, the, the difficulty is that some people interfere and pretend or think they've got a bit of knowledge, you know, just pretend you've got no knowledge. You know, I'm the CEO. Uh, tell me. I don't know. What are you doing that for? Rather than interfere and get involved in that way, because people don't like people interfering. That's not yeah. a not a good way to know uh, to do stuff. You know, if you're a big picture person. That's the way you have to do it. And as a developer, you know, you're not expected to know everything. But you should have an overview. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been a developer. My background, my trade, as you know, is a structural engineer. Did I know everything about architecture? No. Do I know everything about structural engineering? No, although I've been doing it 35 years. You know, even now when I'm working with structural engineers, I might ask, well, why are you doing that? Well, yeah. And that's my most knowledgeable subject because you can never know everything. So you've got to get involved. That's the first tip and take a big picture overview. Fantastic. Okay, uh, on to number two then. What's number two? I think t- two would be head and not heart. Keep that simple. Head, not heart. So, you know, you've got to get involved in development in a commercial way. It's not an emotional thing. You know, we're not here uh, painting a picture that's got to be fantastic or interior decorating a room that, that, oh, we're going to live in. You're not going to live in these things. So, you know, you want to get involved in a commercial manner. So if we're thinking about, you know, what's going to sell or not sell, are you as a developer the best placed person to work out what's going to sell or what's not. Possibly not. This is where you may want to get a estate agent involved. You know, get them involved and tell tell you what sells and what doesn't. So if an estate agent says a gloss white kitchen from Howdens or similar approved, uh, actually sells, put one in. Don't just think, no, do you know, I don't like gloss white kitchens. I'd rather go shake a country cottage or something like that. Because I just don't. It's not what you like. Mm-hmm. It's what sells. So if you're getting this advice off of someone that says, yeah, this is what sells. This is what the market wants then try and avoid that personal taste i think that's the thing to do so it is your head and not you know not your heart and at the end of the day think of it this way you know if you're building say one bedroom flats or two bedroom flats did you ever live in a one bedroom flat yourself you know do you live in one now possibly no to both of those so you know if you're living in a three four five bedroom detached property do you really know what the young teenager, early 20s type of people want out of a one-bedroom flat? The chances are you probably don't. So actually, again, you go to the people that do know. And probably here, you're a state agent. And it's always, as we say, best to ask several agents what you know what is required. Absolutely. But I will always let my agents try and lead my specification. If I think they're fundamentally wrong, I might try and adjust it. But do but, you know... times out of 10 they know what the market requires so I work with them. So I think importantly number two is is always in development work with your head and not your heart. And can I just say as well this applies to experienced developers. I've seen experienced developers Uh, You know, they might have had a project for several years. They've had to go through a planning process. They've got the thing over the line. And then they're all, oh, my God, I'm excited. And and they they then get involved. They get that emotional involvement because it becomes their baby. And and then, and I've talked to a lot of existing developers going, come on, step back. This is commercial. What does the market want? Let's go with that. So number two, head, not heart. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, so
1: number three
0: out of five, what's your third one? Uh, third, I think, and it's just quite high up the list. This is a really, really important one. Don't make changes once you've made your mind up and set your design down and you've tendered it. What does that mean? Okay. Well... When we put a project together, um, we work with maybe our architects, our state agents, as we said, maybe an interior designer, whatever it might be. We've come up with the design and the layout, and we've tendered that. We've gone out to contractors. We've got a fixed price, or maybe we've not got a fixed price, but we've got a price. And, you know, anything you now change is going to be subject to additional cost. Uh, why? Why is that? Because the contractor's priced on the drawings that you've given him. So he's priced for... The gloss white kitchen, if that was the case. So, if you can imagine, if you come in and say, Well, that's fine, but I want to change it now, Uh, I don't want gloss white, I want a shaker style. You know, even if that kitchen perhaps is not much more money, uh, he might have ordered the gloss white, maybe they've got a, a restocking charge, all sorts of things could come into play here. Now, the other thing which I've seen a lot of people do is move stuff. So, a lot of developers, quite new developers as well. Do you know even some existing find it difficult to to visualize? A building and a project and what's it going to look like well you know this is where you may have to rely a little bit on your consultants because architects and engineers they're very good and particularly stat agents are visualizing the, the the finished product where maybe you're not what possibly ask for cgi's you know some computer generated images you know they're very good you can do walkthroughs sometimes maybe uh, get your architect or your start agent to commission someone to do those that would help you visualize what it is because what I've seen a lot of people do is they go on to site. They're partway through the construction, and you know I saw this. This happened all oh, last year, sometime it was. And uh, a developer, uh, they went onto a site, and the builder was there, and I was there with them. And they said to the builder, "Oh, oh no, we're going to have to move the plumbing for that sink uh, over to the other side of the wall in this bathroom." Right. And the builder said, oh, well, why is that? Oh, I just don't like it there. I just want to move it over there. The builder said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. We can do that. I'll, um, I'll work out what that's going to cost, and I'll get your uh, approval for the instruction. And the developer said, well, what, what do you mean? Why is there an additional cost? I, I don't want it there. I want it there. And the builder said, well, it's built in. The pipes are all there. They're built in the wall because it was it was a, a wall hung sink unit. Yeah. They're built into the wall. For take it out, it's not a problem. But I'm going to have to replaster that wall. I'm going to have to lift the floor. I'm going to reconfigure the pipework, and I'm going to bring it up that wall and cut it in there. And the and the developer said, "Well, well, you shouldn't have put it there." And the builder <laughs> said, "Well, that's where it was on the drawings. Mm. Surely you signed the drawings off." And the developer said, "Well, yes, but." I couldn't visualise it. I can't visualise these things until I see them. So, you know, you shouldn't have built it. No. (laughs) The builder's going to build what's on the drawings. If you can't visualise it, unfortunately, that's your fault. fault. It is absolute commercial suicide to go in and change your mind. If you want to change your mind, and it's really important to put it over on the other side of the wall and it's going to maybe make a commercial uh, you know, a a, a good commercial decision, i.e. maybe the estate agent says, you know, it's going to sell much better then maybe do it. Consider maybe the builder says, yeah, there's another £1,000 to change it, it's money well spent. But this is where, I mean, it goes back to number two head not heart. You know, you emotionally might think, you know, I'd prefer it over there if it was a one bedroom flat You know, for maybe a starter home, do they care what side the sink is on the wall? Possibly not. So it is absolutely commercial suicide to go in and change your money. You know, think everything through in advance because otherwise time and money come into it. And time, as we know in development, is money. money. So it could delay your contract. So there could be a lot more on it. And, you know, your professional team are there to support you. They're there to advise you. Take their advice because if you chop and change your mind constantly, you're going to hack everyone off. Yeah. so uh, don't change your mind fantastic okay uh point number four uh four i i think comes into people this as we've always said one of your essential skills to be a developer is people management mm-hmm. uh, my opinion probably um this is one of the most essential skills it's not one of my top tips here because i think that that is still getting involved but uh, um uh, people management is really essential in absolutely everything you do and do you know if you're a new developer? Maybe this is a new experience for you. You're dealing with uh, different different people, maybe different people than you've dealt with before. So if you've come out of a commercial world, and you're now dealing with uh, you know project managers and architects um, and maybe builders, and whilst you're not directly going to be you know d- d- working with and instructing maybe their subcontractors as a developer, you you are going to have communications with them. You are going to be talking to them on site, and all these people are, are they're the different breeds, the different makeups so you know you've got to be able to adapt your existing skills into this business and you want to talk to them it goes back to the first one get involved you know talk to your team you know be confident don't stand back and think well i don't know they know much better than me sure they do but you're the ceo you know you you, you're there be professional about what you do you know carry that that air of of I don't say important sounds a bit crass but you know carry the air of importance you are the one that's paying all the bills and people will respect you for that that you're taking the gambles you're making the decisions do not be abrupt or rude I've seen that you know do not be standoffish and again uh, then there's a developer that I've seen and uh, they went onto a site and okay what's on site it's builders radios quite often and we were having a meeting we we're walking around and they went straight up and went turn the radio off well, you know, abrupt and rude and totally unnecessary. You could have gone up and said, do you mind if we just turn the radio off just a few minutes while we walk around? Oh, that's much appreciated. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. It's just been... It's, it's Common how, decency, isn't it? Decency. How would you want to be treated? Just because that might be a tradesperson on site, you know, <laughs> they're as equal as you in this world as, as you are to them, well, and I... they're as very important to your project. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, funnily enough, the people that are actually going to be laying the bricks... <laughs> quite important to you
0: oh i mean i can tell you this you know going back years and years ago i mean when i first got married opposite me was uh, was a guy who was a bricklayer and uh and i introduced myself and i was a structural engineer and he went oh so this
1: person was opposite you when you got
0: married he wasn't opposite me when i got married i didn't marry him <laughs> right okay. i mean just joking I, I mean good looking fellow but you know i didn't marry him but no he lived opposite me let me just right. clarify but um he was a bricklayer and uh and i said i told him i was a structural engineer and he went oh you're one of them i said what a what <laughs> He said, you're a suit. I said, what do you mean? And he said, oh, do you talk to people? I said, yeah, I always talk to people. I said, I go out the scaffold and talk to people. And he said to me, he said, he said well, if you don't talk to us, he said, unfortunately, he said, we don't like it. You know, because it's just common decency and respect. And he was, an, he was a nice guy. He chose to be a bricklayer. That's fine. That's his choice. And he said, what we'd often do, he said, if you walked by in a suit and you just ignored us with your nose stuck in the air, he said, uh, unfortunately, off of our trowel, we'd, fi- we'd flick a bit of mortar down onto our, our mortar board and it might splash up at you. But he said, and we'd always apologize, but it was so unfortunate. <laughs> but it, it, the, the, I think the reality, the real thing is, though, it's these people, these tradespeople that make your project work. Yeah the quality of the bricklaying, the quality of the decoration, the plumbing, the tiling, they actually get over the problems and all the sort of details that, that you really can't totally sort out with your professional team and their drawings. So these people are absolutely instrumental to the finished product. Because you
1: as a developer, you, you you might get consulted on some of the bigger problems that come up or some of the bigger decisions, but you're relying on these guys to sort out the, the myriad of, of little problems that come out day to day.
0: Absolutely. And just communicate with them. Be part of the team. You know, you're there. They know know that you're the CEO the developer they, they, they want to talk to you you know yeah. that and, and I think you want to do that get involved people will respect you a lot more and the whole project will be a lot more successful so people management skills absolutely essential
1: fantastic okay we're on to number five already so what is your uh, your fifth tip for us
0: uh I think I think let's bring in here your presence on site okay so this is your personal presence this is your personal presence okay. on site. Um, Bad developers panic, okay? If you panic, everyone else does. So, do you know, you might have a problem, you might go to site, they might be presenting you with an issue which in your head you've immediately thought, that's going to massively delay my project, it's going to overrun, it's going to go over budget, oh my word, the funders are going to be on my back, uh, I can't go to the market, I can't do this, I can't do that, oh, well, that's fine. You know, but if you panic, everyone else is going to panic. Keep calm. Keep absolutely calm. Think about the big picture. You know, you have an experienced team around you, um, and get their input. So you know, we had we had a problem literally last last Thursday. Was it th- no the Thursday before? On, on a on a on a site at which we'd massively trimmed down the project. We value engineered it to get it to work. We had to get it in budget. We just about crept it in contractors on site working away speak to the architect they're making the amendments on the drawings and the architect said to me oh i just spoke to the structural engineer uh that beam that you wanted to keep that existing steel beam uh they can't do it they're gonna have to replace it i went well, no we can't do that we've already agreed that it's got to stay in now i could have panicked thinking oh my word there's another four or five thousand pounds creeping back in that we worked so hard to get out he said no they, they they can't do it so i actually said well let me have a chat with the structural engineer and see what they have to say and i used the five Y's process now even though i'm a structural engineer i actually just went through the process I said why is that beam got to change oh well because of x y z well why well why? and actually we got to the point no we didn't need to hmm. and i basically did you know what i did I, I, I stood fairly firm as a developer and i said we can't afford to replace it we went through this process last week you were here or the other week we value engineered it down. We don't have the money in the budget, and they went, "Oh, okay, right. Um, well, we could do this. What well, is that possible? Yes, that's fine. So we can leave it in." So basically,
1: you force them that they're the, the instinctive uh, approach. For fairly obviously, is to go through for route one, the easiest route, uh, and if route one doesn't work, then it's to go for the next easiest route. Where actually, a bit of lateral thinking, if if you know that that doesn't work
0: then they can
1: come up with other ideas to do with it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and there's nothing against the engineer that we had on this. They're, they're a good crowd, a good bunch. But, do you know, they probably thought this is not a big deal. We're just going to replace one beam. But they're just looking at it as a beam. I was looking at the, what other costs are going to come in, the time delay, the propping, and all sorts of other issues. Yeah. That Suddenly it's a much bigger number. Now, they were probably thinking, well, then, you know, it's a quarter of a million pound worth of construction costs. What's a few, what's a few hundred pounds? Uh, you know there's often a point to all of this and and the fact we're working as a team and i think that's the big thing so i use my people skills my management skills and i just work with a team and and they were very helpful and they come back and then they became you know proactive yeah okay well we've come up with a solution brilliant so it's a matter of getting involved and working with them so again this is about you know your presence that you have you know they listen they want to listen okay you know I'm not I'm not rude I'm not a brat when I'm on the phone I'm just saying well this can't be we have to find another solution and they ended up working with it so you know if you if you just got stuck on the, on, on the business and you just, you know, you didn't get involved in the bigger picture, as we talked earlier, you just focused on individual elements and you didn't have all these people skills, you couldn't get these things to work. But pulling all of those skills together, this, you know, sort of getting involved. This was head. It wasn't heart. This was all commercial based. Mm. Um, you know, we didn't want to go back and make another change that we've already agreed. And bringing all those people skills in, that was important. So uh, I think your presence on site is is probably my final point.
1: And also, I mean, as part of that, it's also making a point of, of being, of having that presence when you're walking around on site. So you're not just another tradesperson, you're not the postman, you're, you're actually the person that's paying all the bills here. So you, you need to kind of act that role when you are on site um, and when you engage with, with the people that are on site.
0: Yeah, you need to be confident, encouraging, engaged, questioning and enthusiastic
1: all of those things all at once multitasking
0: Who multitasking <laughs> fantastic um richie uh wonderful as ever
1: uh i think if i was just to kind of replay that back probably uh, three three things that i took from it um w- one is a biggie about avoiding changes uh, and the the thing about avoiding changes for me is is really just thinking things through at the start for some people it can be difficult to imagine what the, the end product is going to look like but if you can try and second guess as many things in advance then you've got a fighting chance yeah, yeah. of getting it right at the outset because I know uh, from experience that, that, that your professional team hate change I mean it's set in stone that's the brief off we go uh, there's enough things for them to worry about without having to worry about you changing your mind along yeah, the way so, um, so no that's a big one uh, I love the one keep calm yeah you need a mug with it on don't you, you do I'm sure I've seen one of those somewhere now because there are always these bumps in the road you can't, it's not possible to do property development without some, you know, a wheel falling off here or there, that something, some issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, and, you know, as the expression has it about, you know, losing your head, um, you know, with everybody else, you just want to be in a situation where you're the voice of calm in yes. all of this. There'll be enough people potentially that are worried or, or worried about what you think yeah. or worried about the cost or worried about the issue. If you take a step back, some deep breaths and think, yeah, okay. This is probably a big issue in terms of what it is. But actually, if I look at the bigger picture, then perhaps it is just one of those bumps in the road. Absolutely. And we're going to get the solution much quicker if we all kind of remain calm about it and nice and logical. And I think the final point, is about that you know being a ceo you know don't be afraid to ask questions when you're when you're on site play the role of the ceo you're not expected to know everything but you are the person that's paying everybody's bill at the end of the day they're getting a fee for what they do and you're paying it so you've got every right to ask questions don't be uh, embarrassed by the fact that you don't know as much as they do that's why you've hired them that's why yeah your professional team why they've got decades of experience um, so you just need to make sure that you play that part when you're on site
0: yeah i mean i think if i had to pick one i think uh you know the, the one you just said that having that ceo mindset is probably the most important one for me i think another point uh, linked to the one about keeping calm is about keeping the relationship you know you need to make sure that you don't fly off the handle at your professional team you know, or, or create uh, a them and us relationship that's not where you, where you want to be yeah. now, You know, you want to create relationships that you can run over multiple projects you know you certainly don't want to be uh, losing your rag every five minutes and have a professional team that won't want to work with you and won't want to work with you again because you are a team you've all got to work together to get this whole project over the line so I think that's really important this relationship thing fantastic Richie thank you that's been amazing I'm afraid that's all we've got
1: time for in this episode uh, join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on yet another part of the property world in the meantime uh, feel free to check out our other episodes and of course you can visit our website which is at propertyceo.co.uk but until next time it's goodbye from us both goodbye